Man, we've already experienced some worship this morning, haven't we? Boy, praise the Lord for that. Thank you so much, worship team, uh, our sound team, screen team, stream team, welcome team, teaching teams, lots of teams. Why? That takes lots to get done on a Sunday. And we just thank you so much for volunteering this morning, serving this morning, not serving yourself, serving the church, serving the Lord. That's a blessing. That's a real blessing. And I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for your singing this morning. I just sat back there. I mean, I could have stayed back there a little longer, I think. Y'all just kept singing. Man, it was good. It is a good morning to see all of you. Um, as you've already been told, pastor's not here. And if you wonder why you didn't get an email this week, that may have been why. You say, why is that? Well, we may have had a few more live streamers than live people. And I'm very thankful you're all here. And if you are watching the live stream this morning, we're very grateful for you as well. If you're looking for a note sheet, you can find that on the website right below the uh, viewer there. Um, if not, you really could write this stuff down today. I don't have a ton of notes, as you all seen on your page. I have a lot of other notes, but I don't have a lot of pre-done notes. If you haven't already, go ahead in your Bibles. John chapter 14 this morning. We're going to be in John chapter 14. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's going to take us a minute to get there. But I just want to stop and pray and just thank the Lord for what's already happened. Because, man, it's been good already. Lord, we're just grateful. We're thankful. Lord, many times we hear Jeff say, you're not obligated. But what just happened here, Lord, we know that was the work of the Spirit. Moving amongst your people. And Lord, I pray that wouldn't stop. As we look at this passage of Scripture that is just really encouraging, Lord. But I pray that if there's something that needs to be done in our hearts that we'd be willing and, and our ears will be open to your spirit this morning. We're going to thank you and praise you for what you're going to do because we have an expectant will that your will is going to be accomplished. We're thankful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Gospel of John. Um, the Gospel of John was written for two main purposes, to evangelize both Jews and Gentiles, that's number one. And the really second purpose was to encourage the believer. And that's really where our focus is this morning. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you're a disciple of Christ, this is really written to you. In fact, all the verses we'll give this morning are Jesus' very words. Let me say this. Anytime we stand behind a, a pulpit, Lord willing, it's not our own words. It's what God has imparted. But man, when you're, when you're looking at all the red words, you really don't want to mess up. You know, you really want to focus in and say, Lord, please let the things I'm going to say be absolutely of this. This is your word speaking to us, but this is you physically speaking to us. The beginning of chapter 14, though, is kind of curious in the sense that chapter 13, there's this narrative going on, and it doesn't quit as we get into chapter 14. So you can kind of look at this section as we're kind of peeking in on a discussion that's already been taking place. Whereas Jesus right now, well, he's in the upper room. And who is with him? His disciples. In fact, he's just told Peter. Peter's like, what's going on here? You're going to leave us? Yeah, Peter, uh, actually, you're going to deny me. He's like, no, not me. And we're kind of in the middle of that whole section. In chapter 13, Jesus confronted Peter with the fact that he'll deny him. Second, we need to keep in mind that all of these troubling factors on the disciples right now. Man, 
personally, they're probably feeling, there's some feeling of, man, am I next? <laughs> um, our master, our teacher, he's leaving. This man that we have followed and, and seen great and mighty works. And I don't know inside of me, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm thinking, I, I, I can't do what he's done. And, and at least I feel that way. And so there's this fear, this anxiety that's inside of them. But just for a moment, think about Jesus. He knows what's coming. He's like me and you. We have the Bible, right? We can go ahead and keep reading what's next. He absolutely knows what's coming. And here's Jesus saying in John 14, verses 1, 1 to 3, this first few words, let not your hearts be troubled. Real fast. <laughs> Jesus is saying that. If there's any heart, we have to keep in mind, while he is fully God, he's fully man. And he knows what's coming. By the time he gets to the cross, he looks like a, a filleted piece of meat. And he knows the pain. He knows what's ahead. And what does he say? Instead of his focus on himself. And in fact, if you go... A few verses in chapter 13, he actually says this, almost like he says it to himself, like his heart is troubled. Back to verse 1, let not your, heart, your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Let not your hearts be troubled. What, the, what, is the, what ministry of the gospel, what opportunity as mouthpieces for the Lord to tell a dying world, a searching world, a lost world, a confused world, hey, we know someone who's been through all of this. He's going to empower you, give you the spirit. Let not your hearts be troubled. She mentioned this, Erica did, but I pray for these few moments, all the troubles that we may be dealing with, they get put aside as we hear the message of Jesus. There's lots of troubles we're confronted with. And Jesus, in moments where he knows what's ahead, his heart, his attitude, his spirit is toward his disciples. What great love this shows for these people, for these men, these fishermen. You know, I know some of you love to fish. In fact, I think not too long ago, some of y'all went on a little boating trip to do some fishing. I enjoy fishing. I don't enjoy catching, apparently, because I don't catch a lot. But I do enjoy putting a line out in the water. But let's be straight about fishing just for a moment. It's kind of gross, right? There's some half-living thing that you're putting on a hook, that you're putting out into a water. Within moments, your hands smell. I can't hear very well, but I can smell. I don't like smells. <laughs> and so, I mean, in, in moments, it becomes a nasty experience, Okay? Now, some of y'all would say, man, these are men's men. Oh, yeah, they are, right? And they're up in this upper room. 
and they're afraid for their life. Let not your heart be troubled. Like I said, if you went back to chapter 13, just a few verses before, Jesus kind of says this to himself, and that does have the thought, was Jesus encouraging himself with his own word? If that was the case, I would say we can uh, take a lot from that. There's just something about the word. There's just something about when you get a text message, hey, praying for you. Um, let me just say thank you. There's been bunches of thank yous, but it is a blessing to be here. I love this family, man. Um, I do. I think about people here throughout the week, and I'm just grateful to be able to be a part of this. Uh, recently, I had some physical things going on, some stuff we weren't really sure about, and I had people, t I had people texting saying, hey, we've been praying for you. The Lord's put you on our hearts a while back. There's just nothing more encouraging than that. Because when you don't know that you don't know that you don't know, <laughs> and you're sitting there on a, on a bed, I'm like, well, Lord, this is, this is your deal. This isn't mine. But it was awesome in those moments that could have been troubling to hear, hey, I'm praying for you, and we've been praying for you. God laid you on our hearts for a while. These disciples need to hear this at this moment from the one person that they trust and love the most. They knew what was ahead. Think about this just for a second. In few short order, Judas was going to betray Jesus, was going to leave them. This man that they had been with, that considered one of their brothers. And this all happens in just moments. And in chapters to follow, Jesus would die. Let's look at number one together. And every one of these, as you'll see, starts with the same few, few words. Christians can be comforted in moments of distress when they have faith to believe that God is who he says he is. I'm going to say that again. Christians can be comforted in moments of distress when they have faith to believe that God is who he says he is. You say, man, that's so obvious. Um, the people that were with Jesus apparently didn't know that. The people that had touched Jesus and apparently didn't know that in moments of distress. Why else would Jesus say, hey, don't be afraid. Be calm. See, also, when I made reference to that part in chapter 13, I believe Jesus can relate to us some. That there are going to be moments of high stress, frustrations, things not going well. And Jesus say, hey, you have the Holy Spirit. You know, these disciples didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. Now, they had the living word of God beside them. They had the greatest teacher of all time. But what a testimony when you're out at work on a Thursday and you're really ready for a Friday and everything is literally crashing. And you've heard, you've heard that person's got the golden touch. You've got the touch of rust. Everything you touch dies. And knowing nothing's working. And you just want to say, I'm done. I'm finished. I can't take anymore. I'll tell you this, I hope nurses, hospital workers haven't left your prayer list yet. I hope teachers haven't left your prayer list yet because their hearts are troubled. I was in the hospital and it seemed like every single person, I was just in there for a day, it seemed like every single person I came and dealt with, their eyes, dark circles, they're tired. You can tell they're trying to have energy with everything they had left in them. I actually met a, uh, she's not a kid, she just turned 40, but I was thinking of one of the kids I graduated with, 
And here she is, she looks exhausted. Teachers are in the same boat. But man, if you're a believer, we know what's coming ahead. We know that he does rise again. We know that he brings the Holy Spirit down because he goes up. You know that you're empowered because of that. Boy, what a difference that should and absolutely will make. Don't let your heart be troubled. So I've got this breakdown, and I almost showed it to you, but I thought it would be kind of maybe weird, I don't know, maybe hard to understand. But if you're a marker, if you mark in your Bibles, I do. I have a Bible that I always is just marked up. Or if you don't mark in your Bibles, maybe you write up to the side. Part of the reason I gave all these, these blanks is I wanted to kind of go through this, this ver these verses this way. So right before, let not your heart be troubled, we start this chapter with a mandate. So that little phrase, let not your heart be troubled, is a mandate. It's above even a command. It's almost like he's saying, this is the standard. We know what we face. We don't know what we face ahead. Jesus does. But the standard is we're secure. We're calm. But then, a few words later, believe in God. That's actually a command. And what he's saying here is you believe in Jehovah you revere his name to the point that you give names to God, to not to say his name in vain. You believe in him. Believe in me because I'm standing right here in front of you, Jesus says. I am that one that you believe in. Again, another command. Believe in God, you also believe in me. Jesus can relate to us. And with a still, small voice, he says, Do not fear. I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. You know what? It isn't our place to have to overcome the world. Why? Because the one we trust in, that we're rock solid in our conviction in, he's already done it. It's defeated. Jesus is about to endure immense pain, agony, death. And he tells his followers, gives them a command, believe, have, have faith. He encourages them. The focus is absolutely on them and not what, what he has going on. Can I encourage you when things are going bad to go serve somebody? When things are going not like you want them to go, go serve somebody? You know what you'll find? Well, they got problems too. <laughs> Their problem may be worse than my problem. And that no matter how bad the problem is, remember where your belief stands? Well, it's easy to believe God on a Sunday if you're here. Why? Look, all the chaos it took just to get here. Maybe you don't have that, but we have that sometimes. All right? It just, well, we made it. Well, we did it, right? But why? Because of who he is. But boy, put yourself back on Thursday when you're begging for a Friday. Or a Friday when you're waiting for a Saturday. Or some of you right now, a Saturday waiting for a Sunday. And you have nothing left to give. You don't want to give anymore. And these, men are in, and these men in the upper room are feeling the exact same way. And he says, don't forget where your trust and belief is. Don't forget what the standard should be. John 14, 27, it should be on the screen there, says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And then there it is again. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. 
if, if you enjoy social media, I say that interesting because it looks like a lot of chaos at the moment. There's not a lot of peace on there right at the moment, is there? Well, you've got to take a side on something, right? And we're right because we're right, and they're wrong because they're wrong. They need to find my side, right? What, wouldn't it be awesome if our social media was covered with that? Instead of saying, you're wrong because what you believe, and I'm right because what I believe. Wouldn't it be awesome if we just, I think I said this last time, I've turned off the news. It's been the greatest thing in the world. You're not informed? Yes, it's the internet, okay? But I've turned it off. Because it's two sides just fighting all the time. It's absent of peace. And as a Christ follower, I'm supposed to be representative of peace. Can you imagine if the church got a hold of that? Instead of getting hold of a side. Well, bless God, this is where I'm at. Well, that is so peaceful. <laughs> you know? What a difference it would make. And most of this is brought out of fear. When Jesus is telling us, don't get caught up in your troubles. Put it aside. You have a mandate. I put you here for a reason. You're supposed to be a light, a reflective mirror of my glory and my truth. Don't get caught up in the mess. I'm not telling you to turn the news off. I still watch a little Amy Wood every now and then. But I turn everything else off. Why? Because it became, it became an issue for me. My favorite app for the longest time was Twitter. Twitter and my brain are like in sync. 140 characters at a time, on to the next one, man. You know what I'm saying? It was awesome, right? And so, buddy, I had this Twitter account from 2011, and it was my little pet. Buddy, I had this many tweets, and boop, I could get a little news, and boop, oh, this person said this, and it was just on and on and on and on and on. It was awesome. But again, begin to realize my attitudes, actions, feelings, and emotions were being controlled by 140 characters at a time. That's insane. <laughs> And so I remember like two months before I did this, I was like, man, I need to get rid of this. Nope, Lord, I love this. This is my news. Hey, I need to know, I need to be informed. I need this, right? Hey, I need to know the score of this game and I can find it faster and I won't look at anything else if I just follow this little tweet. I won't go watch a video or whatever I highlight, you know? I need to be aware of what's going on. So finally I said, you know what? I'm going to get rid of it. I need to get rid of it. And boy, for the first three days, I went to my office, not here, at home. I went to my office and I even kind of went through the process of trying to find it and you know the little scroll up. It wasn't there. <laughs> and I was like, man, what am I gonna do? <laughs> now it's been like a year or something. I don't know, a long time. You know what you find? You don't have to have it. <laughs> in fact, you're actually gonna function better without it. There's no peace found in it. There's no peace at all. And again, we are the ones. Now, again, y'all know I'm I like getting the message out. Use these tools for the gospel. It's phenomenal. We're using it right now. Thank the Lord. We're able to get the message out to people we may never see to this side of heaven. But unless we forget our message of peace, of who Jesus is, what's the point? Number two. This is found in verse 2. So before I do number two, it's up there. It's fine. Christians can be comforted because Jesus is in heaven, in heaven preparing a place for us. So let's look at verse two real quick. Again, kind of bathe in it again. So now we have a background location. So remember verse one, we had a mandate. Let not your hearts be troubled. Then we have commands. Believe in God. Command. Believe also in me. Now we have background location. 
in my Father's house, heaven, are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? So we have a question. We have a location in my Father's house, and then we have a status. There are many rooms. Now, in some versions it says mansions. Okay, now there's other versions that uh, just say dwellings. Dwelling actually is a great translation of this word. That word has rooms if you have an ESV. And the reason is, and I know there are songs about mansions on the hilltop. We don't know exactly what this is going to be like is the point. You know why? Because it's not about the dwelling. And it's not about the room. And if it's a mansion, whatever you think a mansion is, it's not about the mansion either. It's the fact that Jesus is going to be there. That one that the Bible says we have a greater hope and greater faith. You know why? We haven't seen him. We haven't seen him. And to think that he is going and he's preparing. Can you imagine what that must be like? If you ever had like the process of building a house, they say it like causes problems. I will tell you, I loved it. I love like pressing a button saying, oh, I want this color. Oh, I like this, this part of a room. I like the whole little thing of it. In my house, you know, uh, I had one thing that I really wanted was a room specifically for the toilet that had a door. <laughs> because I thought that would be awesome to have some major privacy. And then you have kids. <laughs> and so then you go to the bathroom, and it's like, hey, dad's in one spot. What's up? <laughs> right? I was like, man, I really wanted this room so bad. You know? I mean, you're just going to hand your business, but at least the door's shut. Nah. <laughs> no. Little ones, it's so cool. They'll come in there, and I'm thinking, of all places you want to be, they'll get up against the wall, and they'll sit down, and they're like, oh, good, Dad's here. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> nope. <laughs> right? By the way, that wasn't in my notes. All that was free for you. <laughs> in my father's house are many rooms, and here's a condition, and it's an interesting condition that it's listed kind of this way. If it were not so, if it were not so, what do you mean, if it were not so? No, it's definitive. Jesus is saying, if it weren't so, I wouldn't have already told you this. I think, maybe you're not like me. A lot of you aren't, right? Squirrel, it's gone again, right? Um, but I believe there are times in our life, whether in moments of success, stress, everything in between, but in quiet moments when we're maybe by ourselves, What's heaven like? Jesus, is this really weird, real? Man, I, I kind of, I mean, I get on my social media and I see all my friends and all the success they're having and all the things they get or doing or whatever that is. Is this really worth it? I, I don't think it's bad to ask that question. Jesus already knows how we feel. It's okay to have this conversation with him. He's reiterating, if it were not so, would, have, would I have told you? I wouldn't have said anything about me going back. And then the coolest part about this whole little section is, I go to prepare a, and I love, this word has become a main, a main word of mine now for weeks, believe it or not. This message began to kind of formulate a while back, a place. Okay, every one of us, from the time we're born to the time I believe we go in the ground, we are born wanting a place needing a place, experiencing a place. You say, what does that mean? Okay, do you have a chair that you sit in your house? 
You have a chair you sit in? I do. My chair is 20-something years old. I've wanted this chair for a long, long time. And I told my mother, I said, look, I know you're going to get furniture eventually. You only talked about it about a decade, and if you're watching, I love you still. Um, <laughs> but when you decide to do that, I want this chair. She's like, why do you want this chair? It's a big chair. I'm sizable. So when you get in this chair, it kind of engulfs you. It's a, it has an ottoman. It doesn't have the recline. I don't want to recline. I want to have a chair I can get in, put my feet up, right? Let me say this. I don't need anything else in my house other than that toilet we talked about, toilet room we talked about. That's it. I got my chair. I have my place. We had 20, uh, our, our life group, 20s and 30s. By the way, if you're not in that, you want to be in that, Brandon at GraceFeedChurch.com. Send me an email or call the office. Get a hold of me. I might as well just publish my number, and most of you have it. My point is, if you want to be in this life group, you ought to get into it. It's awesome. We had people at my house, and there was a person sitting in my chair. <laughs> now, let me just tell you, there's a part of me that's like, oh, I want to be Jesus right now. I want my chair. <laughs> oh, I want to be Jesus right now. I want my chair. I wasn't Jesus right then. I was like, look, I love you, and I've got a lot of other chairs here you can sit on, but that's my chair. <laughs> And she's like, oh, I'm really sorry. I'm like, no, now I feel absolutely horrible that I actually said what I was thinking. <laughs> but I really enjoy my chair. <laughs> my chair. Why? God put in humanity the desire to have a place. That's real. And you know how I know it's real and how I've seen it's real? If you've had a foster child in your home or if you've adopted a child in your house. If you have a foster child in your home, you live with that reality every day. You have an adopted child in your house, you live with that reality every day. That baby can be taken from mother for a variety of reasons and sin and come in your house and you can love that baby all you want to love that baby. Something's not right. Where's my place? Where's my mama? It's born, it's born in, inside of them. You know, the foster care system and adoption should never have been a thing. God did not intend for the family to be destroyed that way. To have children ripped from these places. But if there's ever a visualization of a place, let me just spend time on my youngest. Because he's totally different. You say, wait a minute, y'all have had him since he was like two days old. Right. But there's something in him. He knows that voice that he heard for months is not the voice he's ever heard again. He has this fear almost that he has to be with someone. I, I need, I need, okay, where are you at? I need that. He said, well, my children have that absolutely. Of course they can. But I'm just telling you, if you've been in that world at all, if you've prayed for someone, had someone related that was in that world, you can relate to this idea of having a place because they know something's different. Because their place was taken from them. They don't have a place. It's born inside of us to have a place. Now, here's the deal. For Christians, that place isn't here. Okay? So when you look inside your house, look at where you spend your money at. Why do we spend time making this our place? He's preparing a place for us. We get so caught up in that, and it's so simple. It's easy to do. Okay? I'm a gadget person. I love gadgets. All right? I love my phones and stuff. Y'all know that. I, just, I, love, I like it. I was one of the nerds that went and camped out and waited for this thing to be released because this one little thing is going to be so much amazingly different. 
until it finally occurred to me, really? Really? You going to get up at four to do this? This is your place. And this is not what's supposed to happen. This ain't supposed to be our place. I tell you what, you know how else you can know that? Go to somewhere else that they're not as rich as me and you are. And their place has dirt on the floors. And they're just as happy, maybe happier. Get around people who don't have all the riches that we have here in America. And you think, man, what do they got? Well, they're not, they're not building for here. They can't wait to see that place that Jesus has made for them. You see, when we spend time, just a few moments, right, in, this, in these verses, all of a sudden, the garbage that is going on outside those doors is just not as important. And we should be genuinely thrilled, excited about who we have our faith and trust in. This is many dwellings. Lord, I just take one, but if you want to give me another one, I'll take that too. And if it were not so, so I, what I have told you that I go to prepare a place. So you go to that, if it were not so. Then we have this question. Would I have told you that? And then he expands on it. Part of my mission is not to be here on earth, Jesus says. I'm going to prepare for the generations that will come after you. When you go spread the gospel throughout the world, and those come to know the Lord, and they become part of the family, I'm going to prepare for them. No matter what the world says, turn it off. Do not doubt Jesus is not a liar. I think we're convinced sometimes, like, is it really as good as it's supposed to be or what we think it could be? Well, look at it this way. An ounce of gold is what? Probably one time it was, what, over $1,000? That's pavement. That's pavement in heaven. Things that we take as great value. We literally be either walking or maybe some kind of hovercraft vehicle. That'd be awesome. Driving over. That'd be cool. Like the Jetsons, you know? That'd be awesome. Jesus' followers can be assured that heaven is real. And if they're afraid to die, the gain that they'll receive is so much greater. John 16 says, John 16, 7 says, I believe it's up there. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus again. It is to your advantage that I go away. I do like how that's written. For if I do not go away... The helper will not come to you. See, it was actually great that Jesus was leaving, that he was ascending, right? It's your advantage to go. 1622 of John as well. See, also you sorrow now. Again, getting back to that, let not your heart be troubled. He's leaving, and these, and these disciples are hurt. But I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. I'm going to stop at that point right there. No one will take your joy. What's taking your joy this morning? There's going to come a time when all this mess and all this disaster, right? Woo! Jesus is going to come, and it's going to be over. So when we're building our mansions, our rooms, our dwellings, we got to have the latest and greatest, the biggest, the baddest, the main thing. Don't forget... We're not supposed to be about here. Our focus should be on what's ahead. 
Number three. Christians can be comforted because Jesus is coming back for us that we may be with him. And again, follow right there in verse 3. We have a condition. And if I go. Now, that's not like a question, right? It's not, and well, if, I mean, I, I may go. No, 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 no. I'm going, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And here's the prediction. In fact, we have two predictions in this passage in verse 3, and we also have a purpose. So the condition, and if I go and prepare a place for you, now we have a prediction. I will come again. Well, that's a check that's been written that you can absolutely be assured will cash. Is Is the money in the bank? You don't have to worry about that. Why? Because he said he's coming, and we can trust him. See, I think that's what happens to Christians. I know it's happened to me before. If I get discouraged or down... It's not that I don't know this. Yes, if some man, if I, if, if I was in your seat listening, yes, I know. I know he's coming. Okay, I know he said he's going. I know he said he's coming back. But what, at the very beginning of this passage, we're commanded to believe this. Believing is living it out. And if I go to prepare a place for you, can you imagine just a moment? Sit back and think about that for a second. Whatever you consider to be, man, ever walked into a nice big location or had a beautiful view and thought, "Woo, this is heavenly. We don't know that. Because whatever we think is heavenly, when we hit those gates, poof, right? Doors open wide. It's going to be the greatest thing we've ever, we can't imagine what it's going to be. And in moments of despair and doubt, and when the world tells you you're a fool, that's fine. They're, They're blinded. They don't know. They don't understand. This is also a prediction sure to come true. I don't believe, gambling, especially in sports now, has been one of these things that's kind of taken over. You watch a bottom line, a little scroll of, of, of scores, and you see minus seven, plus four on certain teams or whatever. There's a prediction. People, people there's a reason Las Vegas has these big, massive towers. They don't lose. <laughs> all right, and all the riches, right? But all these, all these people make predictions. I have certain teams I've been making predictions for for years. I've not said anything this year because I don't want to be wrong. We, li- we live in week to week in my, my sports world, right? This prediction of I will come again isn't like, well, this may happen. If this player and this player get healthy, then it could work out. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying, you can bank on it. I'm coming, all right? You can, you can nail it down. I'm coming. Okay, here's the question then. Do you and I, think about your bank account a moment, do we live that way? Do we live with the everyday knowledge of a passage that when I turn to it, many of you are like, oh yeah, I know this. Do we live that way? Hey, he's coming back. I don't need this. He's coming back. We can give to this. I'm telling you, you watch these OCC videos. I encourage you to go to Samaritan's Purse and just watch them all. You'll sit there, you'll be crying. That kid this morning, these kids were, this is everything, you know? I was sharing with our group, it was our week in Children's Church not, a couple of weeks ago, and I said, before I said anything, I showed them one of these videos of the kids talking. I said, how many of you have a Christmas list? Oh, yeah, I got a Christmas list, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's good. Christmas lists are good. I believe in Christmas lists. Make an Amazon list so I know we know what to think, you know. So I'm not, not against that. 
You have kids who get this box that has $15 in it, right? right? Not even enough for a any, like an old school video game worth of money, right? And they are to the moon. It's the greatest thing to them. It's amazing what just a few dollars does in that situation. And then now we're hearing that churches are being planted because of shoeboxes? Where you have a whole church of kids who got a shoebox years before. They accepted Christ, were discipled, and now they have their own church. Of a shoebox? You think that doesn't have an impact? You think that doesn't matter? But to see their faces, I love that. That's the greatest thing for parents on Christmas Day is watching, whoa, watching that face. And to see these faces over a plastic slinky that somebody bought at Dollar General, <laughs> right? Over something that's like, oh, that's, that's, that's kind of cool. But they're so excited. Let me, let me just pause for a moment. So if you're one of these people that are squirrels, you can, there's a squirrel coming real fast. There are five tops back there, five lids. If you by accident picked up a box and thought you had your lids, you don't. <laughs> and so if you want to maybe look at your boxes and say, oh, wait a minute, I need a lid, because there's five of them back there. Um, we won't make a big deal about it if you get your lid. Also, if at all possible, I know that we promote this for many weeks, and then there's a retrieval. That shoebox legitimately isn't a shoebox, so please don't store your shoes in there. Okay, if you have extra and you say, look, I've already filled my boxes, bring those back. Those plastic ones are awesome, and so um, they can be used. I know the number we did last year. I'm not going to say it if you don't remember. I'm praying we can do better, but whatever we're supposed to do, God knows that. But that is an incredible example of people who have very little to nothing. It's the only time they'll get a gift. And you try to tell our kids this, American kids who are rich, they're telling them we're rich. It's a hard concept to get, to get. It's a hard concept to understand. Back to verse 3. I will come again. And so he's, he's talked about this place, this dwelling, and being comforted because you know what's ahead. Yes, I have to endure the cross, Jesus says. But the next part, I will take you to myself. And then here's the purpose of these first three verses in a conversation that absolutely has began and will continue after this, that where I am, you may be also. Where I am. The cool thing about this whole little, little section of verses is, isn't about the streets of gold. It's about the place that Jesus is there and we get to be with him. And the fact that he loves us enough that he wants to be with us. Me. I'm a pain. I know I am. I'm a pain. I'm a problem. I've got a mouth. It's a pain. And Jesus says, I want to come get you. I want you to be with me. Now, of all the mess that's going on in all the world, it's just not as important, is it? It's just not as important. It's not as important. That condition, it's not conditional in the sense of, and if I go. No, it's, I'm going, and I'm coming back to get you. Real quick, John 14, 18. This really speaks to the whole idea of place, too. 
You're missing a few words there. That box needs to be pulled down. Um, Brandon did the screens, and he makes them like 120 or 140, so that they're big. But I'll give you the words there that's missing. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you, an interesting word, as orphans. I mentioned earlier, if you're in that world or have been part of that world, know anything about that world. between And by the way, this church has literally generations of that, which is amazing. And there are generations of parents who have, God's called them to take that step with another child that's not in their direct family but gets their last name. I leave you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I don't have another dad that's got to come pick me up who I don't know that's not, I'm not familiar with. Thankfully, we have something that the disciples didn't have. We have the full scripture. You have it on your phone. I'm on an iPad at the moment. I've got it in paper. We have it everywhere all over our house. He says, hey, look, I didn't leave you in the sense of the word, but I'm going to come back to you. That letter that you've been reading for years and years and years gives you a picture, but eventually you're going to see the visual. And I'm not going to discard you and make someone else raise you. No, you're mine. I'm coming for you. Now, we're, the next section of this that we're not going to talk about is a massive gospel hit. The next time I preach, more than likely, that's where I'm going. Okay, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay? Now, we know he has to be talking to Christians here. Because just for a moment, if they're not his, this whole idea of an orphan is kind of what the scenario is, right? They're not part of his family. But he's talking to believers here. So the question is for you for just a moment, is, is God the Father your father? And if he's not, you need to talk to the Lord today. And also think about this for just a moment. What you were before you accepted Christ in that orphan condition and what you are now in Christ as a child of God. What a, that just makes everything else pale in comparison. The things that we hold high value in that God said is road, is pavement. And it doesn't get holes in it, thank the Lord. Not like some of our roads, right? No matter no, no matter a trial or situation, your foundation in faith. See, me and Jeff had this long conversation a while back about belief and faith and trust, right? They're all kind of separate to a degree. You can say you believe. I'm not gonna say my team, I'm gonna make this whole sermon without saying my team. But I've said for years. This is the year. This is the year. And publicly, I said, oh, yep, this is our time. It's our time, baby. This is our time. We had a loss. No promise. Our time. We got it. We had another loss. Yep, not our time. No, you know what? I'll tell you what. Next season's our time. It's our time. Next year's our time. One of the first things me and Jeff talked about, talking about sports, I said, tell you what, over the next seven years, it's going to be our time about three times. Well, all we got to do is over the next two years, find a way to win three in a row. Because that hadn't happened yet, right? See, it, the prediction's kind of fruitless. I don't control the outcome. God does. God controls the outcome. So, a couple of things as we wrap up. I'm going to have you out of here before 12, okay? Give me another minute or two. November 1st, 
You want to experience some heavenly moments on earth? And if you're a lady, if you're a man, you can watch online. If you're a lady, you ought to be here. It's an opportunity to spend time with this person corporately as a family at 6.30 on a Monday night who's went to prepare a place for you, but he wants to enjoy some time with you here. That's what Sunday should be, man. Time to spend time in the family with a person that's prepared this place for us, and he gives us opportunities to experience some heaven here. You try to explain it to, the, to them out there, outside the way, they don't, huh, what? They don't get it. Why? Because they're told, get that next thing. You got this size house, you got to get the next house. You got that house, you got to get something else. You better get everything you can get. Because after this, man, it's over. No, 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 no. No. Man, that place is going to make every mansion look like poverty. Am I right? So go out today and go out Monday at your job or in the community with a sense of purpose. With a sense of joy that you have a relationship with the one who has changed your world and has given you this great place called heaven. And we're going to talk specifically about that, I believe, the next time I preach, specifically what this way is. But man, I'll admit, in the midst of this conversation, I'm kind of glad chapter 14, which could have, I mean, not the greatest stop point, because you're in the middle of conversation. But that first three verses in chapter 14, if you leave discouraged, it's probably because you don't know the Lord. Because you can't read this stuff and say, man, no matter how bad it is, and it can be bad, it's really good. And that's what I want us to leave with today. It's really good. He's good. And he's doing great things inside of you and what he's prepared for you and I. Let's pray. Father, Lord, can we just stop and praise you for who you are? It is a privilege to be born in this time, to have an accurate copy of scriptures, Lord, on just about everything, any way we turn, from devices to phones to computers, Lord, to actual physical turn page books, Lord. And it all goes back. It's all one story. That your son came to die for us, rose again, and is preparing a place for us. Lord, you put inside of us that desire to have a place of belonging a place to celebrate family. And Lord, I pray for the Christians here. They'll be motivated, Lord, through the Holy Spirit to live in that light this week. Lord, I pray that we can rest in that. And Lord, for for that person who may not know you yet, Lord, I pray you would call them today, knowing they're in a place of welcome, a place that desires that they trust you. Lord, be with us as we go out. Lord, keep us safe. Thank you for what you're doing, and bless our pastors as he is away. In Jesus' name, amen.